tea and coffee together. And uh, you might well have that conversation. You know, how was your week? Oh, you know, good, busy, busy, busy. Sometimes we lament it. Sometimes we wear it as a badge of honor. But life can feel relentless sometimes, can't it? It can leave you longing for rest. Is anyone feeling that way today? Maybe busyness isn't so much your problem. Maybe you're really good at downtime. Maybe you have a great work-life balance, whatever that means. And yet it still doesn't quite uh, satisfy There's something restless in your soul that wants more. Well, this morning, I believe God is inviting every one of us to step into a better story, the better story. Because in many ways, it's a story about rest, real rest, what the Bible calls Sabbath rest. The idea appears on the first page of the Bible. And it comes up again and again, all the way through to the end. And as we look at this theme today, I I believe there is hope to be found for our weary and restless souls. Let's pray. Father, we come to you for rest today. Would you teach us from your word what, what Sabbath rest is really all about? Would you show us the beauty of it? And would you help us to step in to that today? Would you help us to apply it to our lives? Amen. Amen. So for one last time in this series, we're going to go back to the beginning. Because in the beginning, God created the world. Genesis 1 says that God worked for six days and it was good. Work is good, sometimes very good. But after six days, the work was done. Genesis 2 says, The heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day. And made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. In the original Hebrew of the Old Testament, there are two words used for rest. The first is Shabbat, which means literally to stop. It's where we get our word Sabbath. The other is Nuach, which means to dwell. It's about settling in. And making yourself at home, probably more similar to our kind of word for relax. God's seventh day rest in Genesis was about stopping, but it wasn't about doing nothing. First, God stopped work and then he settled in. You see, the purpose of creation was to inhabit and enjoy And he didn't do it alone. God invited human beings to rest and reign with him in creation. In Genesis 2, we read that he took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. The word for put is nuach. He literally 
rested him in the garden. Adam and Eve were given jobs to do. They were to work and keep the garden, but this was no endless to-do list or grafting for survival. Work in God's garden of rest seems to be, have been much more about enjoying the good gifts of God rather than the kind of frustrating toil that I'm sure you're used to. Now, most of us have discovered that rest is a human need, and it is. We need rest. But biblical rest is not just a response to weariness. After all, God didn't rest because he lacked energy. Sabbath rest was never just a means to an end. It's part of our ultimate purpose. Sabbath rest came on the seventh day. And in the Hebrew, the number seven looks pretty much identical to the word for the Hebrew word for satisfied. It's not pronounced the same, but it looks the same, as you can see. The idea of Sabbath rest is inseparable from the the idea of being filled up and satisfied. The biblical authors are constantly riffing off this, and the number seven appears hundreds of times, sometimes subtly, sometimes not so subtly, and it's almost always a reference to this idea of God's fully satisfying Sabbath rest. And in Eden, we see the the fullness and satisfaction comes from God's abundant provision for his people. He provided all of Adam and Eve's needs, food, family, fulfillment, and face-to-face relationship with himself. And there's one more important thing here I want us to see. On each of the days one to six in creation, there was evening. And there was mourning. On the seventh day, the pattern breaks. There's no mention of evening or morning. The Sabbath rest where God and his people dwelled together in peace and wholeness was designed to last forever. As we know, it didn't. Adam and Eve forfeited their right to rest when they rebelled. They failed to trust that God's extravagant provision was enough for them, and they ate from the one tree that they had not been given. Instead of resting and reigning with God, they wanted the crown all to themselves. And so they were exiled from the garden of rest. And locked out of God's rest, they were destined to toil and sweat in hard labor all their days until death. But God wanted his people to know that they were made for more than that. It's always been God's plan to lead his people back into the ultimate Sabbath rest that was lost. At number seven, pops up in most of the key Old Testament stories, hinting to us that God, through the whole story, was about a work of redemption to bring his people back into his satisfying Sabbath rest. And when God gave his people the law, he told them that every seven days, they were to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it, you'll not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. In Exodus 20, God said that the Sabbath should remind his people that rest was written into the very fabric of creation. And in Deuteronomy 5, God said that the Sabbath should remind them that he is not a slave-driving God. He's not like Pharaoh was in Egypt. He's a God who takes his people from slave labor and leads them into freedom and rest. The Sabbath was also to remind his people that one day he would do that. He would lead them into eternal rest. And so the Sabbath was an opportunity to anticipate that glorious future seventh day. To embed this hope even deeper in their thinking, God commanded his people to construct their whole calendar around it. There were seven key feasts in the Israelite year, and the number seven is a key theme in each one of them. And on top of that, every seventh year was to be the year of release. Debts in Israel would be forgiven, slaves freed, and agricultural land was to be rested. And after every 49 years, seven times seven years, there was to be a year of super Sabbath. They called it the year of Jubilee. It essentially returned the land of Israel to as near as possible Eden-like conditions. There was liberation from slavery, debt, oppression, and poverty. Every Israelite, God decreed, once in a lifetime was to enjoy this year-long reminder that in the beginning, God's people enjoyed rest with him and with each other, and that This is where all of history is headed. But despite these beautiful reminders of how things were meant to be, God's people still rejected God's way of doing things. And they stayed in the slavery to their own sin. In those dark days, a future hope continued to shine through the prophets. They spoke of an anointed one who was to come, who would proclaim the ultimate year of the Lord's favor. That is the year of Jubilee, the super Sabbath, which would usher in a new creation. And the glorious eternal seventh day would finally, finally arrive. Many years later, on a Sabbath day, a traveling teacher walked into his small hometown synagogue and he read this passage of scripture from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And everyone's eyes were on him. And he said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is how Jesus 
launched his earthly ministry. On a Sabbath day, he proclaimed that through him, the long-awaited super Sabbath to end all super Sabbaths had arrived. Jesus came to bring rest to his people. He said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He went around giving people a real taste of Sabbath rest, true Sabbath rest, freeing them from the twin slave masters of sin and death, releasing people from the hold of sickness, miraculously providing for people's needs, always abundantly, showing people what they were really made for, peace with God and with one another. He called himself the Lord of the Sabbath. And he accused religious leaders of misapplying Sabbath law to put unnecessary burdens on people. Jesus understood his mission, the reason he came, in Sabbath terms. And so did the gospel writers. John's gospel, for instance, deliberately echoes the creation account. Genesis 1 starts in the beginning, and then there are seven days of creation before it ends, as we read today, with God finished the work that he had done. John's gospel starts in the beginning. It then records seven miraculous signs and seven I am statements from Jesus about who he is. And on the cross, we finally hear Jesus say, it is finished. God's work was done when Jesus died, his followers laid his body in a tomb. And it remained there for a day. You'll never guess which day of the week it was. The Sabbath. On that Sabbath day, Jesus rested in the tomb. And then Matthew 28 says, Now after that Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And it was empty. At the dawn of the first day of the new week, a new creation had dawned. In his resurrection, Jesus is the first fruits of that new creation. And in him, we get a foretaste now of the Sabbath rest that is to come fully when God remakes all things. Jesus will lead his people into that perfect rest in the new creation where, as Revelation 21 says, God will dwell with them, with us. And we will be his people and God himself will be with us as our God. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be No more, neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The pain of of toil, the frustration of work, the exhausting, relentless nature of living in a fallen world will have passed away. And as we wait for that day, 
We cling to Jesus. Not only in anticipation of that future hope, but in order that we might experience a measure of real rest now. In Jesus, we encounter the new creation in the midst of this old and fallen world. We have access to the true Sabbath rest that one day we will know fully. So how can we practically find our rest in Jesus, in the here and now? I think the regular rhythm of rest that we see in the Sabbath can really help us. Whether your work is paid work or work in the home or volunteering or studying, there is valuable wisdom in the concept of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath day, setting aside one day in every seven to stop and to rest. After all, God wrote it into the fabric of how we're made. Now, we're not bound by any law to keep the Sabbath. The early church and the Apostle Paul did not make Sabbath keeping a requirement to follow Jesus, since Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath law. It was always pointing to him, and he's arrived. The Sabbath isn't a requirement put on us, but I I think it is a gift to help us. Now, if you're hoping for a list of uh, approved and prohibited activities, you might be disappointed today. But we are going to look at some principles that I hope we can apply. But, you know, if you can, I would encourage you to set aside that one day in every seven to rest. It doesn't need to be a Sunday. But, you know, Sunday might fit well, given some of the principles that we're going to be looking at in a second. I want to say that certain seasons of life make practicing a regular day of rest really hard. And that's okay. Having a newborn, caring for sick relatives, starting a a new job, these can be really disruptive for our times of rest, but don't give up, okay? Just a word to parents and carers of young children out there. I know how you're looking at me. I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Day of rest, that sounds great. I can't exactly just ignore parenting for one day in every seven. No, that is true. You cannot. Please do not. (laughs) Most of your rest will be done together with your family, and it might look different for a season. That's okay. I do think that spouses have to work together here to win some kind of regular time off away from the kids for one another. Especially for uh, if there is a parent who stays at home a lot with young children. I'm looking at you, people who go out to work, and your spouse does a lot of that, carries a lot of that burden. As for single parents, guys, we have to work together as a church family to look after them. If you know a single parent, how can you help them to enjoy rest once in a while? Anyway, let's get back to it. Here are seven ways that taking a Sabbath will help you find your rest in Jesus. You see what I did there? Seven ways. Mm. Seven principles. Don't worry, they're all pretty short. 
When we adopt a regular rhythm of rest, we renounce. We renounce our own autonomy. We give up our right to rule and control everything, including our time. Or to put it another way, we stop trying to be God. Remember, central to Sabbath rest is stopping. When we stop spinning the plates of our lives and dashing from one thing to another, we might hopefully come to realize that, lo and behold, we are not the sustainer of all things. Jesus is. I really don't find stopping easy. This is something I am working at. And if regular rest doesn't go in my calendar, it doesn't happen. Much to Jen's fury. (laughs) It's inconvenient. It interrupts our plans. We all have things we want to achieve. You know, just get that thing done. Just, you know, one more thing. I can just get that done. But the inconvenience is part of the point of Sabbath. It reminds you that really every day, all of your time belongs to God in a way. Setting aside very deliberately one day that isn't dedicated to your to-do list, it's a helpful reminder that actually your whole life is not your own. You belong to him. So when we rest, we put down the pressure of trying to be God and we gratefully acknowledge God's sovereignty over our lives. He's in control. That's really good news. Secondly, when we rest, we resist. Sabbath is an act of resistance against the lies that we are bombarded with by the world and the devil every day. You know, in our culture, we're told in a thousand different ways that our significance and our fulfillment come from our work or our busyness. Instead of seeing work as the good gift from God that it is, we can often start seeing work as something that defines us. It becomes about our identity. Taking a Sabbath rest is a radical way of rejecting that lie. As we take time away from work, we make space to discover that our significance and our identity come from God. We are who Jesus says we are, children of God, made in his image, loved and secure. Now, to resist the the bombardment of lies, you'll probably find that you need to use your phone differently or not at all on the Sabbath. This isn't a thus says the Lord moment. This is just just my best advice for you. It's good, I think, to rest from the relentless buzz of notifications, from like always being on and needing to respond to that message that's just come in or react to that social media post. And that's not even beginning to mention the news. If your rest time is saturated in media that's designed to keep you hooked through anxiety, I suggest it might not be the kind of rest that you need. So why not experiment with some screen-free time? See how God uses that to bring you rest. Practicing a regular rhythm of rest can remind you that you don't have to be governed by the spirit of this age. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a citizen of heaven. 
Thirdly, Sabbath reminds you to rely. Rely on God as your provider. Sabbath rest is a discipline of trust in God's abundant provision and goodness. When you take a Sabbath rest, you will quickly find yourself short of time to do all the things that you want to do in those other six days. If you're somebody who struggles with FOMO, fear of missing out, then this is going to be a struggle for you. But don't fall for that lie that that somehow you need to do it all. You need to just have all those experiences and do everything to find satisfaction. Sabbath is a radical way of declaring that true satisfaction is found in the rest of God. That's something that you really don't want to miss out on. Choosing to rest is choosing to step out of the rat race. And regular rhythms of rest will limit your power to accumulate wealth and stuff and perfect grades your own strength anyway. Sabbath drives us towards dependence on God. The same principle, I think, is tithing your money. As we give our time to God, we learn to trust him more and more. And we find that he really will provide for us. The world's mindset is one of scarcity and and competition, that somehow we've got to get ahead and grimly hold on tight to what we've accumulated. But God says that he's our loving father who will provide all of our needs. So many people in our city work and work and work as though their lives depended on it. But God says that our lives are flourishing and our future all depend on him. In terms of providing for us, I think it's safe to say that God can do more with six days than we could ever do with seven ourselves. Fourthly, see, we're getting through these points. Seven points, we're going to be there in no time. Fourthly, regular rhythms of rest give us opportunity to receive. Jesus is our Sabbath rest personified, then surely our times of rest must center on him and receiving what he wants to give us. When we stop and put down the things that we spend the rest of the week doing, it enables us to focus on him. There's so many other ways that we seek rest, aren't there? There are whole industries out there that know we're so desperate for rest that we're willing to spend all our savings on flights and Airbnbs and nice restaurants or spa retreats or Netflix And those things all promise to satisfy our cravings for rest. But at best, they do so partially and temporarily. They can be great. They are blessings to be enjoyed, for sure. But real rest is found in one place, rather than one person. Spend your rest time doing things that connect you with Jesus. Enjoy his word. Go for a prayer walk, meet with other believers, sing praise to him, just like we've been doing this morning. Take communion with other believers. Remember Sabbath, the original Sabbath, was about dwelling in the presence of God. One day we're going to experience that fully, but it is available to us today 
by the Holy Spirit. So don't miss out on receiving from him. Related to receiving is rejoicing. The next one, regular rhythms of Sabbath rest should involve rejoicing. Sabbath is about enjoying the gifts God's given you. Might be enjoying the beauty of creation, might be good food with friends or spending time with family or rejoicing in music or art or a good book. Sabbath makes space for us to rediscover what it means to be made in the image of God who enjoys and delights. Rejoicing in what God has given you will give birth to greater gratitude. And greater gratitude will give birth in you to greater contentment. Anyone here want greater contentment? Yeah? No, I do. Think about what kind of activities help you to rejoice and thank God for them. Just be careful not to exchange your midweek to-do list for a busy Sabbath crammed full of loads of things to do. But don't feel like you just need to sit in a darkened room and do nothing to rest properly. Okay, six, Sabbath is about relationships. Jesus came not just to reconcile us to God, but to other people. And in our individualistic culture, I think we can easily miss that Sabbath rest is about relationships with other people. Of course, sometimes Jesus did take himself off to be on his own with God, but his response to other people and their needs was always compassionate and merciful, and this carried over into how he did Sabbath. Sabbath rest is about being God-focused and others-focused more than it is about just carving out some more me time. So do it in community. Gather with others. Help each other rest well. Consider how your rest impacts other people. Enjoy time connecting with family and friends. I'll say it again, eat together. I think eating together with other people is one of the best ways that we can enjoy the rest that Jesus came to give us. Repair relationships that are fraught and frayed. Sabbath is about living in harmony. Finally, when we adopt regular rhythms of rest, we reorient ourselves. We participate in our future hope. Sabbath resets our our perspective. It reminds us that the daily grind is not all there is. You were made for more. You live in God's story. And in God's story, history will culminate in an eternal seventh day, creation as it should be, where we'll rest and reign with God in abundance and freedom. Anticipating that future should shape your present and give you hope as you navigate the the pain and the exhaustion and the toil of this world. A scholar called Abraham Heschel said this, Sabbath is a foretaste and a heralding of eternity. Its joy is precisely this. It rehearses heaven. I want to urge you to think through these seven Sabbath principles. 
What would this kind of rest look like for you? Ultimately, the whole point of having regular rhythms of rest is to lead you to the Lord of the Sabbath, the one in whom we find our true rest, Jesus. We're heading towards Christmas, aren't we? And that can be a hectic season. There are loads of pressures that come with it. But it's also the time of year where we celebrate the long-awaited arrival of the one who came to give you rest. How could you build in Jesus-centered rest this Christmas? Because you can be sure that that is a gift that he wants to give you. If you find yourself regularly driven to exhaustion, you might want to ask yourself, who is driving you? Is it you? Or is it the expectations of other people? Either way, you need to hand back control to God, the sovereign ruler of the universe who knows your frame and remembers that you're dust. He does not need or expect you to be him. He is not a harsh taskmaster. Jesus has one rest for us. It is a gift. We don't earn it by working hard or doing well. If you're just working hard to try and earn God's love, stop. Shabbat. Are you trying to prove yourself to God or to others or to yourself by excelling in your career or earning money or living a good enough life to be accepted? Jesus lived the perfect life that you're striving to live. He did it on your behalf so that you could be accepted by his Father. He died to take away all of your failure. There is nothing left to prove anymore. That sin that locked us out of God's rest has been dealt with. Because of the cross, we're released from sin and death. It is finished. So you can rest. It's not a thing you can add to what Jesus has done. But there is everything to receive from him. You know, maybe you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus to take away your sin. Maybe you've never experienced the rest that comes from knowing that you're forgiven and free because of what he's done. I encourage you, come to him today. Lay those burdens at his feet and ask for forgiveness and receive rest. This morning, Jesus has an invitation for every single one of us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Dara's gonna sing the first verse of a song now. And as she does that, I want you to just sit and reflect. I want you to come to Jesus and receive from him. And then we're going to stand and sing together.